For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to episode 81 of the Deep Drive podcast. I'm here with my co-host, James, and we are going to discuss our third baseman list. Now, I think third base has consistently been a position where you've seen plenty of talent at, especially, uh, you know, with Nolan Arenado, you know, you have J- Jose Ramirez, Manny Machado, Rafael Devers, Austin Riley's come on over the last two years. I'm definitely forgetting someone in that. Yeah, just read the whole damn list before we start. Let's. I'm just saying, you know, we got some elite talent there. You know, we've got some guys who, you know, shuffle around the infield and play the position uh, sometimes. So, you know, we'll get into our list today. James, how are you doing, my friend? Doing well. What about you? I'm doing great. Doing great. And I think, you know, yeah, we, got I great, know. we got a great video in, uh, episode in store for everyone here today. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So we're going to start off with honorable mentions, I imagine. So... Yeah, um, coming in at number 12 and 11 on our list, uh, we have uh, Brian Hayes of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Obviously, great defender, great glove, so we know kind of what to expect there. And then Yandy Diaz, who had obviously the best season of his career last year. And um, I'd expect uh, – I've heard some people expect a little more from him next year, even uh, like a step up from last year or to stay close to that. I'd expect a little bit of a down – uh, turn from that 146 WRC plus four war season that he had last year. I don't really see him as that type of hitter, but uh, Steamer does. They see him as a 138, 3.8 F4. So maybe, maybe he could be that high. And uh, honestly, like Diaz would make most top 10 lists. It just happens to be that this position is fucking loaded. Well, you know, when it comes Ryan? Yeah, when it comes to Cabrian Hayes, I mean, I think he's a classic case of, you know, you feel like any year you can kind of have that offensive season and kind of, uh, I guess, break out. We saw, you know, early on in his career, he was excellent. You know, even the max exit velocities, you know, 113 mile per exit, velo- uh, max exit velocity, 91 miles an hour on average. He just hits the ball into the ground way too much. He doesn't uh, generate enough barrels uh, for your liking. So, um, you know, I, I think any given year, he can kind of have that, you know, even if the one, 105, 110 WRC plus, he's a slam dunk top 10 third baseman uh, just because of his defense. I think this might be the first time uh, in a very long time that I think to myself, the best defensive third baseman is not Nolan Arenado. He's not even the best. Thir- he might not be the best defensive third baseman uh, in his division. As for Yandy Diaz, I know the defense is bad there, but I, I would have, I think I'm pretty sure I had him on, on my top 10. Um, you know, just the numbers are way, the offense numbers are way too good. Uh, the batted ball data is, you know, I get it. It's questionable with the ground balls, but he still hits the ball really hard and he has unbelievable play discipline. So, um, you know, just on my end, I would have had him top 10, but I think this is a good point for us to actually get into our top 10. Yeah. And coming in at number 10, we have a Eugenio Suarez of the uh, Seattle Mariners. Uh, obviously great year from Suarez last year. We saw, um, him hit a lot of home runs. He, Cut down on the strikeouts a little bit, I believe. Uh, no, career high in strikeouts. That's why I remembered it. Um, but again, 31 homers, kind of what we've come to expect out of Suarez. A big, big year with the, you know, with the power, but, you know, low average, kind of low on base percentage. Um, not great defense, but not like horrible, right? And a four war. And I think uh, Steamer's really low on him coming into next year. They project just 107 WRC plus. 
Um, which might be fair. He had a really bad year in 2021 and wasn't great in 2020, but in 19, 18, 17, he was one of the better third basemen in the league. Um, and part of the reason I think he was so bad last year was they had him playing shortstop, which is not his position. So I, I think back at third base on a solid Mariners team, I expect another good year from Suarez next season. Yeah, so looking at Suarez, the obvious reason why Steamer's like regressing outside of what you mentioned with the bad years uh, sandwiched between 2019 and 2022 is a really they they were they were really regressing his bat dip. Now in his career as a 300 bat dip guy uh, between 2017 and 2019, you know those three best consecutive years, uh, you know he had a 314 bat dip. And then if you look at 2020 and 2021, we're talking, you know, 221, right? And then this year back up to 302. I think it all kind of relies on the bat pip, right? The isolated power actually went down from 2020 and even from 2021. Uh, you know, he walked uh, less than he did in 2020, more than he did in 2021. As you mentioned, he struck out more into more than ever in his career at 31.2%. So um, just kind of looking at all the overall uh, all-around skills here when it comes to Eugenio Suarez, I think the clear factor here that changed back into his favor was the bat pip. And I expect that to remain the case. So uh, I'm a lot higher on his bat than projections are. The bat X has him as a 117, which I think is a little bit more of a fair number. But uh, I'd be a little more generous with his and, and go even as high as to say 125. I don't think that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't expect a huge regression in the bat, given that he's kind of been around there in his career. Uh, obviously, not not so much the last couple of years. Like I was talking about those two really bad years. So maybe it just comes down to his bat, whether he's a good year or not. But uh, he's. 3, 312, 322, 309, 304, 341, 316 in the first six years of his career, I wouldn't expect a reason, any reason why uh, that 302 is not sustainable. And honestly, it might go back up to that, you know, 310, 320 range, which, you know, could have another 135 WFC plus season like he did in 2018. Uh, moving on to number nine on our list, we have Anthony Rendon of the Los Angeles Angels. Um, and now I would like to... I guess we never said this, but Jack's list is also counted in here, even though he's not recording with us today. Um, he's the one who put Rendon on this list because I had him at 10 and you didn't have him at all. So I think both of us are a little lower on him than this spot, but, you know, not by much. Not a big issue. Um, I think Rendon, you know, it's it's a little concerning that he is not, you know, like, how do I put this? He didn't have a good year last year. He didn't have a good year before that. Um, he's very injury prone, which is a little scary. Um, but we know that the ceiling is, is there, right? He could, he could bounce back, have another four or five win season. I wouldn't really be that surprised. So, I mean, what, what do you think, Ryan? Yeah. So, you know, we're talking, uh, about Rendon here. I, the way I look at it is, you know, can you say that there's that chance that upside that he stays healthy? You know, he has that, you know, really good year and he goes back to being a great third baseman. Absolutely. That's, that's totally in the cards. Uh, but it, it's really, it's unfair, I think, to other third basemen to, number one, say that we're looking at the distribution of results here that could be uh, Anthony Rendon's season, to say that that median or that kind of like the that 50th percentile outcome uh, is really high enough to justify putting him over other guys in the list. Um, I think 10 is a good spot to put him if you're going to be on the higher end here. Uh, but, you know, not to kind of like single out Jack here, I just would have ranked him that high, I didn't rank him at all. Um, you know, I, I think that there is that I still think the ceiling is there for him to be an all-star level player again, but I don't think we're going to see the MVP years again. And then more importantly, right? Like this all depends on health. He could be really good for 60 games next year. And you're still not going to rank him much higher than 10th, if even at all. Yeah, I agree. I think with Rendon, you kind of have to expect like, you know, 
I'll have to see it to believe it, right? It's not one of those things where we can kind of just project a better year from him. He's been, I mean, quite frankly, he's been awful the past two years since since he got to L.A. Um, you know, he had that solid year in 2020, but then again, like 60 games, he only played 52. Uh, he did have a great year, um, not to take anything away from him, but, you know, he has one war in 105 games in the last two years. I don't, you know, I, I, I just, like, nothing stands out to me here. He's walking less. He's hitting the ball. He's not hitting the ball as hard. Um, his bat is down. His batting average is down. Basically, his numbers are down across the board. Even his glove was bad uh, over the past two years, which we haven't seen from him in the past. It was pretty, you know, league average. But but now it's it's looking a lot worse. I I, I just don't. I think Rendon, you know, he could bounce back, but it, it's starting to look like his career might be coming, uh, you know, to a very quick, uh, ending here. Uh, moving on to number eight, we have Matt Chapman of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, we were all kind of in a consensus here around this not eight, nine, seven range for Chapman. He had another good year last year um, with the bat. He took a step back with the glove, surprisingly enough. Um, you know, he's a three-time platinum glove. Uh, no, three-time gold glove winner, two-time platinum glove winner. Um, but he had a, he got up to a slow start with the bat last year, but then he ended the year with a 117 WRC plus 4.1 at four. And I think it's, it's really hard for me to buy into, you know, that drastic downfall with the glove. I can't imagine that he'd be anything like that last, uh, last season, uh, again, once again in 2023. Um, but I mean, what do you think, Ryan? Yeah. So Matt Chapman, as you mentioned last year, he kind of had that, uh, return not necessarily to his peak years but uh offensively speaking at least some of his better years uh again i don't buy into the defensive regression very much either i think matt chapman I i've tweeted this before i believe he's the most underrated position player in baseball um you know i i think that we're looking at free agents right if he repeats last year um if he lives up to his projections anything uh of that sort you know we're talking about a guy who next year is, is going to get a, a good chunk of money i mean 2021 you would say is like a floor year for matt chapman and that was a 4.1 war right so if we're talking about floors we're talking about ceilings and median outcomes and all those different things i think you could make an argument that matt chapman is the most underrated uh, third baseman in the league and the most underrated position player in baseball but the talent on this list is too good to move him up very much yeah i'd have to agree with you there uh moving in at number seven we have gunner henderson of the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Henderson had, you know, he had a great start to his career last year when he came up, but 126 over C+. Uh, obviously, small sample size, only 132 plate appearances, 34 games. But um, he's the number one prospect in all of baseball, I believe, ranked pretty much consensus, right? Carroll might be ranked above him in certain lists. Yeah, but Might I mean, be. like the I think the general consensus here is that if not one, he's you know two right. or three. No, no, he's he's, he's amazing. obviously an he's an elite prospect. Twenty two and entering his twenty two year old season, um, Zips has him at five WAR, Steamer four point one, and depth charts four point two. So I mean, not really, you know, pretty, uh, for a rookie, pretty consistently high projections across the board. Um, I would expect him to win the rookie of the year next year, but obviously, who knows? Um. I know a lot of people aren't going to be happy with us ranking him this high. This is, again, Jack. Jack has a tendency to overrate rookies, I believe. I, I, at least in my opinion, he does. Um, but on this one, I kind of agree with him. And and again, I think I think it's different with Henderson because we've seen him at the major league level, whereas like a guy like Anthony Volpe, who you guys ranked and I didn't, um, we haven't, right? And so we know Henderson. The other thing we know is that Henderson is going to be up there on opening day. 
um, he'll be their opening day starting third baseman most likely as uh, barring any like trade, maybe he could end up playing shortstop. But either way, he'll um, he'll be in the starting lineup on opening day, and so there's a little more confidence with him uh, than some other rookies that we've ranked so far. Yeah, no, and, and I think the big thing here with Gunnar Henderson is, you know, defensively, I think he, he is a, a better profiled uh, for the uh, second, or not second base, excuse me, third base shortstop position. Actually, I don't think he should be playing second base. He performed pretty poorly there. He's more of an arm guy defensively, uh, which I think will hold up well in the hot corner. Um, you know, the max exit velocities, the raw, you know, the 90th percentile, the, you know, average exit velocities, all that stuff, the sprint speed. I mean, he's just one, he, you just know he's going to be a good major league player. Um, you know, we talk about the risk that comes with rookies and there is always, doesn't matter how good of a prospect you are, um, you know, year one, your first full year, there's a wide distribution of results. You don't know if a guy slumps or whatever it may be. Uh, but I think we can agree here. This is one of the safer uh, prospects, if not the safest uh, prospect to rank very high, very highly on your list uh, going forward this, or at least this year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I wouldn't be shocked if next year we're ranking him with, you know, the Arenados and Bregmans of the league. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I like this ranking. I think it's a good spot for him. Um, for you know for now but obviously some people are going to think we're pretty high on him others like jack might think we're low i i think it's a pretty good medium here uh obviously at a position like this it's kind of tough to get ranked much higher um coming in at number six we have uh rafael devers of the baltimore red sox he had a huge year last year and then got a massive extension um I don't know exactly how to feel about Devers. It really makes no sense to me that Boston extended him for so much money and let everyone else walk. I, I I've been pretty vocal about how I think about the Boston Red Sox off, uh, off season. Sorry. Uh, the glove, not great at all. He had one year, right. Where he had like a 20 out of a, out of average year. And you know, but that year he wasn't great. It was, um, I can check 2019. I believe. Nine, yeah, 19. He had a seven-win season that year, right? Because he put up 12 defensive value. He didn't even have the best off season, uh, offensive season in his career that year. If we see this offense with, you know, not not that defense, obviously. I'm not expecting Devers to put up a 17 OAA, right? That's kind of not, that's not who he is. Yeah, but, it's not feasible. But can we get, like, can we get a zero OAA and he'll move up this list, right? Um, It's, it's just that I'm concerned about the, the glove is a, is a net negative, right? It's a, it's a problem, but you know, we look at it and he's, he's had a great start to his career. He's 25 years old and he has 18 war already. Um, I, I would expect another five win season next year. I don't see why you wouldn't. The way I look at it with Raphael Devers is, you know, he's like him and Austin Riley are like, right. They're like the same player. You know what I mean? Like they're so unbelievably similar, uh, but it comes down to just that little bit of better offensive production over the last few years, that slightly better projected WRC plus, and just having one defensive metric that thinks you're better uh, defensively uh, than the other ones do. And, and quite frankly with Devers, you know, it's a little bit, you, you concern, you feel a little concerned long-term about how someone who's not playing defense well at the age of 27 is going to play defense at the age of 32. Um, but quite frankly, you know, we've seen David Ortiz before. I, I, I don't think Boston's going to regret it too, too much as long as Devers stays healthy. 
um, which uh, he's never really had issues with that. Um, you know, he's a really, really, really good hitter. And again, this is a pro this ranking, you know, you say, oh, he's only the sixth best third baseman. Sure. He's only the sixth best third baseman, but he's still one of the best players in all of baseball. We're not talking a fringe top 50 or a fringe top four, you know, or, uh, 60 or 70, whatever guy we're talking about, you know, a perennial all-star elite player. Um, and I, I don't think either of us are necessarily saying he's not elite. We're just saying that the other guys on the list are slightly more complete baseball players. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think with Devers, uh, the, the glove isn't too concerning long-term. I don't think he'll be a third baseman. He's a first baseman DH, right? Um, most likely, pr probably DH, uh, given that they have a couple first base prospects, uh, Tristan Casas and who's the other one? Nico Cavadas, though. He's not like, I wouldn't put him like in the same conversation as As Casas. obviously Devers and Casas, but, you know, moving forward um, to number five, we have Austin Riley of the uh, Atlanta Braves. Riley had another great year last year, right? 142 diversity plus 5.5 F4. Um, coming off of a year before that where he had a 136 and 4.7. So, you know, we've seen two years in a row of Dever, uh, not Dever, sorry, of Riley being, you know, close to an elite player. Um, he's gotten MVP votes. He's um, you know, he struggled at first, but I think I think it's pretty safe to say that it's no longer a fluke. Like last year, there might have been an argument, like a lot of people were making the argument that that Riley shouldn't be this high because, you know, it's only one good year and we saw him struggle at first. Um, he had negative 608 last year. Uh, it's a little concerning, but, you know, I he gets the slight edge, like you said, about uh, about Devers. It's really close. You know, you could switch them back and forth. They're, they're like, you know, Chapman and Arenado were a few years ago. But um, I, I just, I, I don't think you could put anyone in between them on this list. Yeah, that was exactly what I was going to say. You know, that comparison with Chapman and Arnold, I think is great too, because that was always the argument, uh, you know, a few years ago. It's like, you you cannot have like Arnado three and Chapman five, or you cannot have Chapman two and Arnado four. You know, you, you just can't do that. They cannot be separated. Um, you know, looking at Riley, you know, I will say that, you know, those doubt the, the, the one thing I love about Riley Endeavors' game is they are just like they are just extra base. They're ISO machines. You know what I mean? And, I, and I, those are always fun to watch. And I feel like they're a little more aggressive than your natural superstars. Typically, um, you know, you see uh, most guys putting up ridiculous WRC plus numbers. You know, they have like a walk rate, at least well above average. These two guys love to swing. These two guys love to crush. And um, yeah, I think going forward, it's going to be an interesting, you know, back and forth over the next few years. And I hope it's because they're both playing very well. Yeah, like you said, I, I really think that if you tiered off these rankings, right, um, that top four that we're going to get into in a second kind of separates themselves from Riley and Devers, who kind of separate themselves from the rest, right? And after number six, like we're saying, um, these, you know, the seven through like 15 range, I I think, you know, there's obviously guys that separate themselves, but I don't think it's really that big of a difference. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of good third baseman in the league, and and then there's also a lot of elite ones, but I think you can kind of separate it into those three tiers. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Yeah, no, I definitely, if I'm going to give a tier, uh, if I'm going to give, uh, I think the gap between, I think it's very clear that Riley and Devers are, are six and seven or five and six in this. Five episode. and six. Yeah. Right. And uh, like, it's... obviously, obviously I'm like, I'm understating things with the tiering of like, you know, the top four, right. They might not be in the same tier, but they're above Riley and Devers. Is right. No, more no, no, so my it. point. Yeah. So coming in at number four, we had Alex Bregman. All three of us had him at number four on our list. Um, I mean, Bregman is, I think he's becoming one of the most underrated players in the league. Part of it is because he's overshadowed in his in his own team, in his own lineup with uh, Altuve and Alvarez 
and Tucker, who might all be better hitters than him, but Bregman, you know, he's had two eight win seasons. He's um he's projected next year for six, uh 5.5.8 by zips, but uh 6.3 for like a full season by zips. Uh they're pretty high on him at a 147 WRC plus, which he hasn't put up since 2019. Um Bregman always seems to have those underlying metrics, right? The the walk rate, the strikeout rate, the the whiff rate. He like he has great batted ball data. Um more so great play discipline. His batted ball data isn't the best. He doesn't barrel the ball a ton, but you know, playing in uh, Houston, it doesn't really matter that much. He kind of he's kind of a pull pulled five all guy like we're always talking about, where you know he'll overperform his X Woba by a little bit. Um, he had a five and a half win season last year, and it felt like no one was really talking about him. And that was only, you know, with a 136 year plus. He had a step forward with the glove last year. And I I just I kind of I kind of I'm it's at the point where I'm expecting a five or six win season out of uh Bregman rather than, you know, pre- rather than uh like it's like a hope right like i'd expect yeah. that from him last year and then if if possible like he it wouldn't shock me if he had another one of those seasons where he's you know thrust himself right in the mvp conversation yeah no for sure and, and you know alex bregman last year we know that uh you know 2020 or we found out that 2021 uh was kind of a, a, a you know you have to put an asterisk next to that 120 wrc plus because you know he, he had some wrist issues right and it felt like this might have been his first fully healthy season where he kind of you know he, he's all the way back he's not worrying about any uh you know swinging issues we, he's dealt with some ticky tacky stuff before uh in, in his career but we're talking about someone who's kind of like he's he's a future hall of famer you know he's at he's at 30.8 war before the age of he's a 29. future deserved hall of famer i don't know how right. this i don't know how this astros thing is going to play out like i wonder with altuve and uh bregman especially and correa because all three of them are on hall of fame tracks um, yeah the, the beltron thing scares me a little bit because yeah the fact that because beltron should have made it first ballot he's an easy um, hall of famer yeah so i mean it's a little concerning but bregman will have you know 60 war by the end of his career pretty much without a doubt i feel like yeah, you know, and one big thing here that goes into it with Alex Bregman, um, you know, we, we talk about complete resumes when it comes to, you know, projecting for 2023. You know, we, you want to be safe with your projections. You want to be safe with uh, how you evaluate a player. Um, if, if we get the defense we got out of Bregman this year um, and, and we're able to get, you know, that second half offense and, and we see that that isolated power uh, has, has come all the way back, it's going to be hard to uh, keep Bregman out of the same discussion as some of the guys ahead of him. Um, you know, I, I think it's safe to say that Bregman's kind of for now, at least, right. You know, I don't want people to think we're saying this in a, uh, you know, uh, insulting manner. I think for now it's comfortable to say Arnado Machado and J-Ram who we'll get into, uh, in a bit are, are not clearly better right now, at least. Um, but next year, I think is a good year for us to see uh, a, a nice 2019 like season for Bregman. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, definitely like a tier below the other three, like we were talking about before, um, but yeah, he could easily be number one on this list next year. And I really wouldn't be that surprised. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm very excited to see how he plays next year, especially considering, as you mentioned, you know, he's gonna be or you know, he plays at Houston, he's gonna be all the way back healthy. Um, so you know, a guy with an elite sprays should age pretty well. Um, so now coming in at number three, we have Nolan Arenado and all three of these guys uh, that we're gonna mention soon, uh, in whatever order. Uh, are the one, two, three, you could, you could put an auto one, you could put Ramirez one, you could put Machado one. I think all three of them have a pretty strong argument. Um, but we went with Arenado the lowest. Uh, part of it is that at least to me, 
is that he had that, you know, that really bad year a couple years ago. His batted ball data is not great. Uh, his XWO was low, but I'm, that's not really too concerning. Um, he doesn't strike out very much at all anymore. Uh, he hit th- like 300, 350, 500 uh, last year. You know, uh, he's a great hitter, a great defender. He's an elite defender, even. He's probably the best defender at the position in the league. You said you might go with Hayes. Um, but either way, they're like one and two. They're neck and neck, right? Um, I think Arenado has multiple platinum gloves. He's got multiple gold gloves. He's um, he's a very decorated player at this point. He has six platinum gloves. That's that's nuts. Uh, five time silver slugger, seven time all star. So I don't see another, I don't see any reason to expect anything short of another six to seven one year next year. Yeah, this is uh, you know, we talk about Bregman, future Hall, Hall of Famer. This is an easy Hall of Famer. This is going to be yeah, like slam dunk no, Hall of Famer. Yeah, all, three, all three of these guys are. Uh, yeah, the top four. The top four on this list are all easy Hall of Famers as long yeah. as as long as um, of course the the no one gets seriously hurt. Get or also or, no one yeah. gets seriously hurt. You know, they just exist for the next 10 years. I think they'll get in. Um, you know, Nolan Arenado, as you mentioned, you know, the gloves elite, you know, the offense. I think a big thing for him was having his best offensive season of his career come in a year out of course. I think that's going to be a huge for him. I think there were some concerns. You know, he's 113 WRC plus, left cores. I think the timing of it uh, was very concerning. Um, but, you know, it looked like, okay, he kind of regressed from, you know, MVP caliber player to, uh, you know, a little bit more of just a good third baseman, right? Kind of how we would talk about Matt Chapman right now, you know what I mean? Kind of falling from that, uh, you know, MVP caliber performance to this. Um, and then he comes out, he has his best year of his career. It's, it, you know, you could argue he deserved the MVP. It would have been cool to see him get an MVP, but I think Goldschmidt getting one is equally as cool. Um I, again, he could be two on this list. He could be one on this list. I quite frankly uh, don't have too much of a dispute with either point. Um, but, you know, this is more of us getting a chance to talk about one of the best players of our generation. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think a lot of people overreacted to the whole course thing. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't, and I'm not saying that I didn't either, but, you know, we're looking at um, a guy who has had now six win seasons uh, and then one 5.9 four times and then obviously with the 5.9 would be five um he's projected 5.2 by steamer 5.8 by depth charts 5.6 by zips you know i don't obviously these projections are going to be um pretty conservative in general they very rarely project a guy to have a six-win season um but he's a six-win player so i don't see a reason not to expect that next year uh moving in to the number two spot on this list we have the guy who i put number one but you guys both put number uh well, I guess you had him at three, is Manny Machado of the San Diego Padres. Machado last year, I think, probably deserved the NL MVP over Goldschmidt. I think both Aaron and Machado did, but it was really neck and neck between all three of them. It wasn't too much of an issue. Um, I, the whole even your Machado thing was stupid to begin with, and he completely shut down whatever people still believed in that um, this year with that uh, you know MVP caliber season where he put up a 152 WRC+, 7.4 F4, um, the best season, I would argue, of his career. You know, he had that one year where he was playing shortstop with the Dodgers that he had, you know, an amazing year. Um, but Machado's, he's 29 years old and he's already at 47 F4. This is a guy, like, we're not just talking about a future Hall of Famer. Like, Machado is a future top five third baseman of all time. And, yeah. Like, and I think, I don't think he gets that level of respect. He gets the future Hall of Fame respect, but I don't think he gets the, like, we're going to be talking about this guy as a top, you know, 50 to 40 player of all time by the end of his career. 
Yeah, you know, one thing I want to point out is the fact that, you know, we're looking at Bryce Harper and Manny Machado at the same stages of their career. Um, Machado leads the war, uh, the, the war category for now. Uh, yeah, no and, wars and everything. you know, those two those two MVPs really help Harper, Harper's argument there. But Harper's also, you know, the, after that MVP season uh, last year, you know, this year he's going to miss 80 or 90 games like we talked about last episode. DH. Yeah, and then DH. Like, he's unless he can really turn this injury thing around, it's starting to look like it would be, it could be a massive issue. You know, I'm not concerned about Harper, like not like falling short of the hall of fame or anything like that. Oh no, definitely not. We're more so talking about, we're we're talking about a guy who's won the MVP twice. Right. But I think more so we're talking about like the, if we're going to, because Machado and Harper, I think are kind of like, they've, they've just kind of like mirrored careers very similarly where it's like, you know, the free agency, all that stuff. Um, but in a sense, you know, these two guys are kind of, are, are both clearly Hall of Famers. I think Harper kind of gets already that top 100, uh, you know, you know, one of the greatest players we'll ever see, uh, you know, talk. And I think Machado should start getting that conversation a lot more. You know, he's entering his age 30 season with a chance to surpass 50 war. Uh, he, he could be, you know, a 33-year-old with what? I mean, he, he'd be a 33-year-old with, with 60 war. You know what I mean? Like that that's not completely out of the picture. Uh, which I think is is uh, a testament to how great he is and how great he's uh, hopefully going to continue to be. Yeah, and for me, it's not just that with Machado. Like you were saying, um, if you if you add on to that, like we're talking about a guy here who's also improving. Like like Harper, I, that's the contrast I was trying to make. I don't know if I really fully got the point across. Is like Harper's career feels like it's moving down, whereas Machado seems to be trending up, even though he's had you know these two massive massive years in a row. Um, well, actually, now three, right? Because that 2020 season, the shortened year with the one, yeah, that's another thing. Lost. If he if he put up, if he got to play because he played all 60 games that year, if they had a full season, he would have 50 war, right? Like, he would, right. He would, I, I mean, I, he'd be close. Well, you would have to add, uh, let's see, it's 46.6, it's 3.4, right so you he'd have to have he a six. yeah, he he easily would. I, that, I don't know, easily, it might have been a little close because that's what, what a six point three point four. it's a six, it's war just season. it's a six war season, but with a 150 right. WRC plus and that defense, just, like that's an easy six as long as he's you know, healthy, right? But I, I guess, the, the but point then again, like, like the health thing, he played all 60 of the 60 games, it's not really right. like it's just like, like hey, he got hurt, you know, this is a guy who, with you know, out of global pandemic would be probably a 50 win player before the age of 30, which is insane. You know, uh, and it's kind of crazy. He's 30. Like, uh, you know, he, it's, he's been, it's, he's been, a, he's kind of like, like Machado yeah, to me, I, he feels like a 33 year old, but you look back and it's the reason for this, obviously is because he debuted at 19. Um, and then he had a five win season at the age of 20. So um, in, in 2013 with the Orioles, he had 23.2 defensive value, uh, 102 plus in five four season. That's a crazy year. Um, if he could get anything close to that glove, we could honestly see a 10-win season. But, you know, that's probably not realistic. Um, but, you know, eight wouldn't shock me because, like I was saying, he's still trending up, it feels like. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, coming in at the number one now is Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland Guardians. And I think so far he's the only player we've had hold his position at number one. Um, a catcher, obviously, Adley's new. At first, we switched. I think Vlad for uh, yeah. Freeman. Yeah. So I mean, this second is the base first. Might, do you think second, no, second base? base was Simeon, and now it's um, shortstop LTV. was Tatis. We didn't do right. that. Yet. Oh, but yeah, I think so. So like, I mean, if we're looking at players keeping their number one spot, and I don't know if Trout's going to keep his at center field. Um, going to next year. Yeah, 
Uh, maybe. I, we'll we'll get there. I mean, I'm pretty confident in that, but. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll get there. And then and then at right field, obviously, we had probably Soto last year, I'd assume. Yeah, year, or, or 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 bets are hard. No, that wasn't bets. I think Jack was low on bets that year. Uh, which... No, because I'm I'm always high on bets. And I no, I said Jack too. was might have been low on bets. And yeah. But going um, back to what we were saying with the with the third base, um, Jose Ramirez has kind of been like the class of third base, right? Like the best player there, you know, the standard for years. Um, you know, he had that one bad half of a year in 2019, right? You remember, it was bad. It was really bad, like uh, memorably bad. But the second half of that year, he, you know, he stepped up or it might have been the other way around. I'm not, I'm not fully sure. Um, two six one seasons in a row now. Uh, he probably should have won the MVP the year before that, the the Abreu year. Uh, it should have been one of those two Guardians, or I guess at the time Indians, uh, Bieber or Ramirez. But, you know, we're looking now, and Ramirez has kind of established himself as the number one here, I, I um, at least for you guys. Uh, I had Machado. I don't think it's a huge difference. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, so, you know, I feel inclined to say that Jose Ramirez, because I said it's for everyone else, uh, Jose Ramirez is also a future Hall of Famer, guys. Uh, this is, I mean, he I doesn't have, he didn't, a question. yeah, he didn't have the same start to his career that uh, Arenado, uh, you know, Arenado and Machado especially did. Yeah, and Bregman. Right, and Bregman. Because uh, Bregman came out, came out of nowhere, not out of nowhere. He had a 4-1 like seasons first year. Yeah, and then his second and third years, he had two 8-1 seasons in a row. So, I mean, Ramirez, like, obviously, he it was kind of like a slower um increase for him but he had a breakout year in 2016 and since then he's been you know up there with the best third baseman in the league and at first he was like you know I, I wrote this in the article I wrote about uh third baseman I said um you know for a while he was one of the most underrated players in the league right but you know for, for the last three four years he's been kind of getting the respect he deserves it just sucks he doesn't have an MVP. That sucks so much. It, and him, he should have had one too which is what's worse. This how I feel like with him and, and Nolan Arnado where it's like dude I mean, Arnado, I feel like is in a, a conference, is in a league where, you know, it's going to always kind of be open for at least now, for at least next year. The AL is just tough, man. He's got to compete with Mike Trout and Shea Otani. And then Shea now Shohei Otani. Like, for years, it was Aaron like, Judge. Will, the question was like 50-50, will Trout win the M- M- MVP this year, right? And now Otani, I think his odds are plus 200, which would be implied like 30-something percent, but... um. I would. I, I mean, I would at this point, I think it's much. It's much higher than that. That Otani wins the MVP again because it's real. Like, Judge put up a historic season. He put up sixty-two home runs in eleven WAR last year. Yeah, and and it was a question. Like for for a lot of people, it was a question. It, and not just a Otani's. question. Not just a question. You know, in the sense of like, oh well, you know, is. Could you make the argument? It's like there was a legitimate. You could have made a legitimate point. There's there's still we could come back in five years and say we got the MVP wrong. With new data, like I, I don't think we've ruled that out entirely yet. That's uh, you know such saying? a big gap, though. I, I feel like it, I, I do think there's a big gap. And I mean, like, like, what data? Sense... Like, what data do you think we'd find that we don't already have with Otani? Like, what the right. value of that extra roster spot is, or you know, how I guess much my, money. I guess like, my I think the money thing that... is such a huge question. We talked about this last time, but that's not really like uh, you know he's at the MVP because he was the most valuable to his contract. That's not fair because then Ramirez should win every year. And also, I guess the the one thing I really want to touch up on here with, uh, you know, talking about Jose Ramirez, and I guess kind of wrapping up that little segment about Otani there is, is number one, you know, um, Otani is Otani is just kind of like that. He he feels very much like having 
Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes right now in the NFL, not even, you can't even say that because Mahomes, you know, he won his second one today, but you know, there, there are multiple years where he wasn't the clear cut winner. Otani, I feel like he's got also got the fact that he didn't win it last year. So there's not going to be voters fatigue. I think that's fair to say too. I think Trout kind of suffered from just every year being better than everyone else really. And then that one Mookie Betts year. And then that's kind of, right. been and that Betts year, like we look at that as one of the best seasons by a right fielder yeah. of all time. Like end of the day. And that bets, I think that bets you is the best since Bones, right? Uh, yeah, other, that than, was, that was, other than Judge. I, I think the craziest thing here is that you mentioned you kind of compared Otani to what Trout felt like five years ago. It took that like best, we you know, whenever you whenever you say since Bonds, we're talking about something special. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, we're sitting here saying. Well, I mean, a- yeah, because like you have to say since Bonds because then it would always be like, oh, well, Bonds did it. Bonds did everything. He did. Right. No, I'm just everything. saying like any any time that you can say that it's in this last century, it's you and Barry Bonds, you're in pretty good territory. You're pretty good company. So, you know, the fact that it took a historic season for Mookie Betts, the fact that it took, you know, the the high, the most home runs since Bonds and, and the highest war since Bonds, the highest and a 200 WRC plus. Guys, it took a 200 WRC plus to beat him. So, you know, J-Rab's going to have to kind of have, you know, that 160-something WRC plus with elite defense to kind of pray for, uh, you know, some uh, something to go his way because uh, – it, it sucks when he might not ever get an MVP, but I don't think that should hold him back. I think it should kind of be like a rolling situation, uh, it, it, you know, where it's like a no, it shouldn't be anything player. close to a rolling situation. I mean, in terms of how we like smart people view Roland as a really, really, really good player, right? Like oh, an unbelievable right. third baseman. I'm not saying I want Jose Rizzo on the ballot for three or four, however many years it took. Roland was on there for a while. The way I'm saying it is more so like people should view him as just this uber elite player that is so good at everything and he had those peak years and it's not like just because he's never won an mvp he wasn't i mean there was an argument before kind of otani in 2021 that little little gap between 2021 uh and 2020 where you're like maybe jose ramirez might be the most reliable player for best player in baseball just because of how injured Trout was getting at that point but um yeah special player here guys yeah i think we can kind of wrap it up there um thank you all for listening uh ryan do you have any final thoughts uh no not currently but you know i'm pretty good with i'm pretty happy with this list to say the least yeah i think i think this one i agree with the most because jack didn't do any egregious shit like he's done in the past um would you agree with that yeah i would i would i would like to say i love jack but sometimes you know sometimes sometimes the list isn't sometimes sometimes yeah but you know thank you all for listening and we will see you in episode 82 yeah Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.